Hi, Stu from One Future Possible Timeline here, spooky, just to say that there's some audio issues at the beginning of the podcast. These were caused by using the noise reduction feature on Discord and it went a bit awire, so it should be okay after a few minutes, but just bear with it, it's not too bad. Thanks. And welcome to the Mental Health Gaming Podcast. Once again, I'm Bradley and I'm joined by Stu. How are we doing this week, Stu? Yeah, pretty good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, yeah, not too bad, actually. A few ups and downs, um, which I'll get to in a bit, I suppose. Um, But I've also been playing plenty of new games, some of which I can't talk about yet, but one I finally can. But I always like to know what you've been playing first, so I'm going to let you kick that bit off. Oh, so first to talk about is Astral Chain, which I mentioned last week, and I've managed to put quite a lot more into it. Very good stuff. What I didn't know, because obviously yeah, loads of people have talked about how good it is and what you'd expect from Platinum Games, really high quality, great production values, very pretty, and a solid underlying combat system. But what I didn't realise was you're tethered to this ethereal creature They've gone for a really kind of crazy off-the-wall concept of you're a police officer, but you kind of harness a ghost to do your work with you. So, you know, unusual, but they make it work. And what you do is you have this ghost kind of entity on a leash, which is a chain, hence astral chain, and you can cast them forward and they will attack. They can attack independently and you can go off and attack, or they can be thrown at an enemy you know, specifically in the group to attack them. You can also get drawn towards them as well. So if you imagine sort of, you know, being on a, you can almost have it so that you're on like a bungee cord, so you can uh, combat around the arena by flipping between either you being the primary focus or them being the f- primary focus. And I'm not sure why that wasn't really talked about so much in, in other reviews, because it's a really big deal. And the game itself isn't perfect because the backgrounds are a little bit bland and, the, the character models are great, so that's fine. But, you know, it would be great if you could have had both, but it's the Switch, and it's it's pushing the Switch hard enough as we are. So that's okay. But you kind of do have to do these um, investigatory things of going around and checking for clues, and it's really just a case of going to location Y and pressing X and reading some text and then repeating. So that part of it's a little bit dull, but once you get into the combat, it's excellent. So really enjoying that one. Yeah, I've, I've got a voucher still on um, one of the game vouchers on the Nintendo Switch, and I'm still really tempted to pick that up. It was in the sale, and I don't think it is anymore. So I'm, it's weirdly now I feel more justified in picking it up that it's gone back to full price than getting a game on sale via the voucher. But I've had it sitting there, but it does. It looks really interesting and good to hear that it's it's not just another standard game that they've tried to do something different. So, yeah, it's good to hear that kind of um, feedback on it. Yeah, you're like every every new game that tries something different, there are bits of it that don't really work, but the positives outweigh the negatives. So I, I would say it's definitely worth a look if you can afford it because it's quite steep in price. I mean, obviously, Platinum have never been afraid of doing things different they've never been tied down to a single publisher so if they do get i suppose 
cut off creatively they can always move on and work with someone else um hence i think why you see you did i've had stuff with nintendo um exclusively they've done stuff on playstation xbox um via various different companies and they did uh near automata as well i believe yeah. um i'm getting that that fact correct which is such an experimental game in many sense of the word like many uh, yeah it's such an experimental game that many major publishers wouldn't allow it to happen to a game where you only get the benefits from it once you've played it through com- to completion more than once. Yeah. They must know a lot of people aren't going to do that mm. and to still have the balls to put that out there and to get something that's creative and so far commercial success. I think it's brilliant from Platinum, but an actual chain. Even though you hear it's a platinum game, you know what you're going to get. It looks different to every other platinum game you can get. And I don't know a developer that can do that as well as they do. No, I agree. They've, they've really carved out a, a proper niche for themselves, and it's uh, great to see. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, because I suppose it's the same like when you see Naughty Dog, you know what you're getting Uncharted, Last of Us now. You know, you know what sort of game that's going to be. And even one's got, even though one's got maybe a bit more action in it than the other it's a naughty dog game ubisoft game you know you know from that as a publisher you know exactly what you're getting from ubisoft they're all the same game with a different skin we know that but yeah yeah i just i want to see more from teams to do what to have the balls to do what platinum do but no i'm convinced i'm going to pick up astral chain i think excellent yeah so on top of that i've been playing uh, a fold apart the reviews up on the website yep and um yeah, I mean, that was a funny one because sort of behind the curtain a little bit, doing the review for it, I was operating on the fact that it is a great game, it's structurally excellent, and the puzzles are very well constructed and thoughtful. And I really loved what they did with the characters and the characterization and the dialogue, which must have been an absolute, you know, mind melted to try and get to be both kind of real world, but also interesting and intriguing and not put people off because you know it's it's based around not just romance but you know pragmatic everyday life and how romance fits into that so talking about that was great but the the, on the flip side the irony is i don't really like those kind of games so to say that i enjoyed this game would be a complete lie because i didn't enjoy playing it but at the same time my review had to reflect the fact of the fact that it was really good, it was really great. It's a weird situation to be in that. And I, it makes you think, you know, I really hope that corporate journalistic en- entities don't just go, oh, you know, X person likes fighting games, we're sticking them on that. Or we want to rubbish this title because we don't like this publisher, we're gonna, so we're going to stick somebody who doesn't like RPGs on that game. You know, you'd like to think that the, the journalists involved, yeah, yeah, they have their style, but that they've got a wide enough... A critical palette, so to speak, so that they can be objective about stuff. Because I found it interesting doing that. I, I, I enjoyed the fact that I played it so that I could come back with that take on a game that I wouldn't normally touch. Yeah, and it's, it's an interesting point of view, actually, because I, I think sometimes playing games that you don't usually play or a genre you don't like makes you have an appreciation for other areas of other games that you do like. So, I mean, I really cannot stand and cannot get on with strategy games on the whole. I just can't do them. I don't have the attention span for them. Or to sort of um, keep in mind what the mechanics are. I get lost very easily. 
But in playing those games and getting an appreciation, say like an XCOM, for example, made me appreciate when you get light versions of those in other games. And it made me appreciate how they fit in. Um, and I think to do that is really good. And when you play something, uh, I mean, partly puzzle game, I mean, it's fold apart something I wanted and I just couldn't get the code for what I wanted to play on it. So that's why, you know, we passed it on to you to do because you could play it on the PC. But it's that sort of game that is my jam. Um, and I love those sort of indie narrative puzzle-ish games that take you on a journey and the style and everything. And yeah, but it's good to know that someone who doesn't really like it saw the merits in such a game, but is able to admit at the same time that look, this isn't for me. Um, it's well worth having a go, but you know, it's not for everyone. And I'm, I think we're over that hump now. Um, do you remember that fun where every publisher was making a game that had to please everyone? Mm. and then you had sort of anything experimental was cast by the wayside or then changed to within an inch of its life. I think we're over that now. And I think we're going to start seeing more games like A Fold Apart from maybe bigger publishers as well, which I'm really looking forward to. I really hope so, yeah, because they've kind of fallen into brackets of what they release. And as we've said many times, but you specifically... Uh, the indie game market is really propping up innovation at the moment. It's where all the innovation is happening. Yeah. And I think, again, it's not, not saying good things to come out of the current situation, but I think where a lot of the major studios probably can't get together and work properly from a studio where a lot of their assets are, I think we're going to have a period where indie games really do take over to the masses. And I'm, I'm, I've been hoping for this for the indie game revolution before anyone misquotes me. I've been hoping for an indie game revolution for a long, long time. And I think we're going to start to see that because they seem already to be getting a lot more focus than they did previously. Yeah. Long may it continue. Yes. So what have you been playing then? Uh, that classic indie game, Animal Crossing. Oh, it's that, yeah, that tiny little one. I've gone down to playing about maybe half an hour a day just to do my chores. They're due a couple of um, updates, I'd imagine, so with some new events. But yeah, generally just really playing and enjoying that every single day since it's come out. And the routine now goes, and the reason I bring it up is I get up in the morning, I smash some rocks, find my, uh, empty my money tree, plant a new money tree, see what the turnip prices are, have a little potter around, and then my daughter takes it from me. Um, and she goes around watering flowers and catching fish and yeah it's like it's just really good and my son's got an account he's got a villager my daughter isn't allowed a villager on the island yet uh, because I don't think she'll do enough with it and she'll just be taking up space so I let her pop around with my character my son's got a villager and he does his bit and yeah it's just a really nice family game we're playing together but not together at the same time and it's just really nice so it is every morning, Daddy, Daddy, where's I want Animal Crossing? Want Animal Crossing? She doesn't like Tom Nook because Tom Nook's mean, which my son doesn't agree with. So that my three-year-old and my thirteen-year-old have arguments about the the moral compass of Tom Nook. I never thought I'd see that, but they do. That she loves Timmy and Tommy who run the Nooklin shop. So, but yeah, it's just really good to see her discovering a game like that, and at three. She's got an understanding of how to play that I don't think I had at that age at all. 
And it's just, it's remarkable to see her do it. The use of technology over the past few years has really allowed younger generations to start understanding things and grasping things a lot earlier than any other generation ever did. Probably. Yeah, get a play in the stock market so she can earn those millions for you. That's what you need to well, do. Yeah, that's what I might start doing. I might get her to practice but with the turnips and stuff like that first, buying and mm. selling those. If she does good on there, then I'm going to get her on the stock market. I mean, obviously, at the moment, just buy everything you can because it's all dropping anyway. Mm. <laughs> so you just buy you buy everything low at the moment and then just hope it all goes afterwards. But yeah, um, but yeah no, I've, been, I've been playing that. I've also been playing the two games I can't talk about yet. Um, even when this goes out, so I'll get into trouble. Are Snow Runner, which is the follow up to Mud Runner. Mud Runner, I actually went back into that, but on on the um, after playing some Snow Runner, just to do a couple of comparisons. And yeah, Mud Runner still a really good game, but even on the Switch, I don't know how that's running well on the Switch. It looks looks like playing it on a potato. It looks, you know, it's potato level graphics to a degree, but it's still so good. I really like that. Um, and I'll talk about the um, Snow Runner properly once I can. Also, Dungeon of the Endless. Despite everyone know, or people who have played that will know what it is because it's been out a couple of years already. That's on the Switch and I'm playing that. And the other one, which is an old PC game that's now come to Switch that I can finally talk about, is Sunless Sea, the Submariner edition. Um, have you ever played Sunless Sea or Fallen London or anything like that, Stu? Uh, of those three games, I've not played any of them. I've never heard of Mudrunner. <laughs> so it just goes to show you how many billions of games are out because I'm yeah. pr- you know, pretty high on the nerd scale and <laughs> still don't know them. But I've heard a lot about Sunless Sea. So yeah, go go for it. Tell us all about it. So it is... This is probably about to say my fourth attempt at trying to play this game. And it makes it sound like it's a bad game to play. Now, the first time I had it, I had it on the PC. I had loads of other stuff, and I just didn't get a chance to play it properly. And then I thought, one day, I'll fire it up, and I'll give it a go. And it's just, it's not easy to get into. And then my PC broke, and I couldn't play it. I then had it on iPad. Got Went to start it. Got maybe a couple of days playing it. And then I had to sell the iPad, because we needed some funds. Great, so I haven't played it there. Same happened on console. I just never got around to actually playing it. I had it on the PS4. We had to sell the PS4, so I never played it there. Finally, now I've got it on the Switch, and I went, right, I'm playing this now. The chance to review it means I've got to play it. I can't put it to the side and then pick it up later. I've got to play it. And it's not a game that wants you to play it, bizarrely as that sounds. It's grim. It's moody. It's dark, and it basically starts off by going, you know, you will die, things will go wrong, and which is fine. But I, I find myself having to go to a couple of guides or uh, maybe a couple of early let's plays that people have done just to get a full comprehension of how I'm actually meant to start this game. You might get a bit of flavour text that explains a few things but it's still up to you to try and discover your way around it. Can you just remind us what the what the core gameplay loop is? So it's a roguelike, and the core gameplay loop is you start off in a, a place called, well, it's London, it's fallen London, and you have to talk to various people in a FTL-style, I suppose, concept. 
you talk to them, get uh, resources, missions, crew members, etc. And the bulk of it then is you go out on your ship and you travel around this open world seas to complete various mini missions or to complete your overall goal, your overall ambition. And on my case, I've said it that I want to bring my father's bones back to fallen London. Uh, but it's this huge procedurally generated open world that you, you travel in. You get a few set markers there that are specific. And it's there you uncover the map as you go. Uh, you are literally going from place to place. You're interacting, gathering information, doing smaller missions just to do your overall ambition. But at the same time, what, what's really good about this, this core mechanic and this core loop to it is you haven't got to just do that as well. So a win state could be you might decide you want to go and make your money and just get all the money. And that is a way of winning the game. It's, it's intriguing. It's, it's, it's really is one of the hardest games to explain and make it sound good to play. Because it is miserable. Because that's what Fail Better do with, with, with the series of games they've done. And there's a few times I've put it down in frustration and gone, right, no, I'm done. But I still go back. But are, yeah, I've gone. I was just going to say, there are, well, I certainly haven't played them if they exist, but to my knowledge, there are almost no games that allow you to set your objective. So the whole point of most video games is, there's an objective, you use this skill set to achieve that objective, off you go, toddle along. S setting an objective that gives you a primary focus, that seems to me to be really quite unique. So that must be a big draw. I suppose if you delve deep enough into the genre, so Curious Expedition to a degree has that as well, and it's a similar sort of game, but it's on land. But I don't think anyone does it as well as Fail Better Games do it. And I'm happy to be corrected because if there are other games that do that the way Sunless Seas does, it hasn't got to be as grimdark or, you know, it, uh, that Lovecraftian feel to it. I tried to get through the whole thing without saying Lovecraft, but there we go. That, that's the overall aesthetic. You can't get away from it. <laughs> why, why didn't you want to say it? Because it, every review I ever read back in the day talked about Lovecraft oh, okay. when it came to that game. Yeah, I tried to get away with not doing it, but tell me about them because, yeah, I, I, I'd love to play more of that. Maybe just not as dark as Sunder Seas, even though <laughs> it is fantastic. Sounds good. It's interesting, though. Um, when I say sounds good, I mean it sounds good as a game. It doesn't sound like it's for me. And I think mainly because there's there's quite a big schism, I think, in, in gaming at the moment. Uh, a put a a positive schism if yeah. such a thing exists between people who like let's just call them roguelikes and people who don't so uh, the the big one is the the Soulsborne series which i can't stand like i hate those games with a passion and it's the schism seems to be between games where you uh you you'll see the same levels or same environments over and over again, but each time you approach them, you'll be more powerful. Or you have a, a standard character with a standard upgrade path and you're seeing new stuff all the time. And I'm not saying one is better than the other, but I, I really hate redoing the same section of stuff over and over again. And I'm not, I'm not saying again that, that Sunless Sea is like that because I don't know, I haven't played it. But, you know, Anything that falls under that category, 
I really can't get on with and fail better as a name seems to sum it up for me yeah. of, of that kind of, you know, um, yeah, you're going to keep doing it. You're going to keep failing. And eventually you'll be so good, so proficient that you'll do it really, really well and you'll go through it beautifully. And I think that that's a really good design, you know, schematic to have, but it doesn't appeal to me. No, and that, that that's perfectly fine. And it's actually a discussion we can have properly another time with regards to this, because I can't think of another medium where the fans are expected to enjoy every bit of output or meant to like or accept every bit of output that comes out. You don't get people who enjoy romance novels being told they have to then enjoy J.R.R. Tolkien and stuff like that. Yeah. You don't see people who like watching action movies going, yeah, 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 you might like your action movies, but have you seen this really unknown indie film that was made by two blokes in a shed? You don't mm. get that. People like what they like in those and people accept it. It's why you have your blockbuster films and your indie films. You have the Sundance Film Festival. You have all things like that. But with games, you get this expectation where if you turn around and go... I don't like this popular game or this style of popular game. You'll get called out for it. Um, and that led to me with my mental health going, well, I've got to try and like every game. I've got to try it and like it because people will look down on me. And it's the only medium I know where that happens. It is bizarre. It, it should be the other way around because a film, even if it's impenetrable or difficult or unexciting last about two hours but the people who are trying to strong you strong arm you into playing something you hate uh, that can be a 40 hour experience do you know what i mean it's, it's very very odd i'm i'm just i suppose because you know you and i play a lot of games and a lot of variety of games although i don't play the variety that you do we're kind of like oh yeah cool that sounds great go ahead i'm not going to touch it but you know sounds good but uh, a lot of people, yeah, don't seem to be in that position. And it is a, it is a weird phenomenon, like say, maybe one's a table for another day, but it's an odd, an odd thing. Yeah, no, definitely. I think we'll, we'll look at that, even if it's just a, a one-off special discussion about games, actually. But yeah, definitely one we'll look at. So I've been playing a few other things, but I'm not going to touch on those now because I've only been on and off of them. Um, I've got given some credit, so I went on a bit of a splurge um, on the recent Nintendo sale. Um but what I will say is Picross S4 is out by the time you're probably listening to this. Get that. I don't care what you like. Just to go back on everything we've just said, if you don't like Picross, you can just go. Get Picross S4 because <laughs> yeah. they need to make more Picross. There's never <laughs> Sod you, buy it anyway. <laughs> yeah, I don't care if you don't like it. It's the one game you, could, you must get. Uh, but no, that's coming out and I'm all over that. But yeah, the games, they've been a great distraction again. So good. I've got too many really brilliant games at the moment, and uh, it's a it's a nice situation to be in, I guess. Yeah. Just want to touch on something that to do with what happened this last week with me that has made me feel both guilty and wonderful at the same time. Now, hopefully, we've got a few new listeners, and a few of these new listeners will be listening to us because they discovered us because. We gave away copies of Ukulele and the Impossible Lair. Thanks to Team 17 and Playtonic, we got a bunch of codes to give out. And I've given some away on a couple of games forums. I've given some away on our Discord and then via our social media channels. And it felt 
wonderful. It felt so good to be able to bring a bit of positivity into people's lives. So much so I got a message back from someone who had entered. They had actually won a copy of Super Lucky's Tale that we also gave away. But they came back, said, thank you very much. You know, it's, it's great for his kids. Um, he's been, the kids will be going stir crazy at home. So it's great for them to, to be able to play. It's US-based. And I said, oh, if, like, okay, if your kids are going stir crazy. And I pointed into the video I've done about being lazy and not being able to keep up with what people think you should be doing and the, the amazing creativity people are doing. And he responded and said, it's like you were talking directly to me in that video. You don't know, but you made that video for me. He goes, I've been feeling like an absolute abject failure because my kids aren't doing what you see in all the other families do. And he goes, thank you for admitting that you are struggling with it or people are struggling. I was called an inspiration. It was just that, that really just went, whoa, okay. And some of the other replies I've got when I've given away these codes and all the ones that we've got now will be out by the time people, in, uh, people are listening to this. Now, the reason I feel a bit guilty but also wonderful is I got a taste for it. That idea of making other people feel good made me feel good. And I know I shouldn't feel guilty for that, but I felt like I was doing it for myself rather than other people, despite at first doing it to bring joy to other people but the more it went the more it was like no i love this i i want this to be able to do this i've never been in this position before to do this and then i went no but that's that's the wrong way to look at things i shouldn't be doing it because it makes me happy or makes me feel good about myself it should be about other people and yeah it's just a really weird conflict of emotion and i still don't know where i stand on it myself does that make sense or is that just a really odd thing to think about no, it makes complete sense. And actually was part of the, I mean, that whole situation you were in psychologically and things that I've experienced in the last week or so, uh, the, the entire reason why I wanted to talk about my thing. So, yeah, I mean, when, when you're doing something altruistic, there's that old philosophical question of, is there any real, you know, true altruism? Are you, do, are you ultimately doing something to benefit yourself, even if ostensibly it looks like you're doing it for somebody else? And ultimately, the thing is, if the, the action, the output of the action is something positive, and then you repeat actions that have a positive outcome, then that's the arbiter of whether it was a good thing to do or not and whether you're operating in the right manner. Now, if that makes you feel good about yourself and feel like there's a sense of accomplishment, then that's right because, you know, we, we're genetically programmed to work in a certain way. We're social beings. And when we, when we help our little society, whether that's three people or a million people, we should feel good about it. We're, we're following the path that we're supposed to do. So in short, I <laughs> just like completely validated your, your experience. Now that's it. Yeah, that's fine. You're good. <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, I know, it's, I know it's tougher than that because there's a lot of different variables, like where your ego's at, where your mental health's at and stuff like that. And, but I would say to feel pleasant and positive about something that has helped somebody else is a natural reaction. And it's great that you've had it. Yeah. I mean, just the, the one final note of that myself was, it, I think it's because it blew up in a way I didn't expect it to. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, to first of all, I thought I was going to get maybe one or two codes to give away from um, Team 17, and they provided me with a buttload to do with as I please. And again, I explained to him it was for, you know, stay home, stay safe. So they was like, yeah, no, we're well behind that. Play I reached out to Playtonic and they said, no, we've got to deal with Team 17. They handle our codes. But they was all as a team, like both Playtonic and Team 17 were behind it and they really liked the idea and gave me loads of codes. They've retweeted it at a great moment where someone called it out as a scam and Playtonic went, nope, not a scam. So it's like, that's just like no, really right. good to see. <laughs> But it just, yeah. I mean, you saw their Twitter numbers went from about 100 people. So we've got over 1,000 now. And I know a lot of people have followed us because they want to win a game. But it was just watching those numbers go up. It was, wow. That was just, it blew my mind to reach that many people and knowing that mm. even if they half of those don't stick around or don't pay any attention again, that we, there's at least a couple more people that are going to listen to us. I know that it's okay to deal with a lot or to speak about a lot of the issues around mental health. And yeah, it just feels really, really good to see it. And just the, the amount that blew up is just spectacular. Although oh, Facebook is just impossible to penetrate still. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I dropped off Facebook a while ago. I don't like the place. But um, no. but yeah, no, it's great. And the thing is as well is, is that, yeah, you should feel entirely good about that because I suppose you could technically say we're promoting, you know, those guys, Team 17, and we're technically promoting ourselves. But, you know, the people are getting something really valuable for free. And they've yeah. got they've got no there's no pressure on them to do anything with that. And also following us and listening to us, we our stuff is for free too. You know, we're not we're not trying to gain from this in any way other than to, you know, be a voice that is hopeful fully you know helpful in some way so yeah. yeah no it all feels very very good to be honest yeah and you can listen to the extended cut of this conversation for 5.99 a month absolutely uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no yeah exactly it's just knowing that we can reach more people is just great but i've got a lot enough gone shoot you you i know you had a something you wanted to talk about more this week so yeah well i mean it, it ties in absolutely in line with what you were talking about and the specific thing is that in my job, I I volunteer as a mental health first aider, which is it's an accredited uh, qualification that you have to pass. Uh, I'm not saying that it's an incredibly high barrier to pass. It takes some time, but and it needs to be funded, and it was funded by my company. But yeah, it tied in with the stuff that I've been doing with Samaritans when I used to volunteer for those guys, for, which I did for for many years, and. What what the idea behind it is, is that you just slot it into your organization the same way that you would regular physical first aid. So when somebody has hit a crisis point, they come to you first and you act as a triage to keep, you know, to see what kind of help they need going forward. So uh, I've been the chair of that group um, for a couple of years. And, you know, what we do is we try and make sure that we've got are listening here and then when we've listened to people and we've absorbed what they need then hopefully guided them to the right place now over the the course of the last year or so somebody joined who's part of the hr establishment in work and this brings a different slant to it because when you bring in somebody who's professionally tied to the company then the people who are volunteers have a, a slightly different perspective so when when you're part of hr your your primary goal 
is to protect the interests of the company mm-hmm. via making sure your your people are okay. Whereas when you're doing it as a volunteer, you're making sure that people are okay. If that aligns with the company, that's fine. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Yeah. And so this person's, I'm stepping back from being the chair. This person is, is taking over. And this is a real, the way that this person behaves is not poor, but again, it's a, it's a blow to the ego. And I'll state it in those broad terms first so that people don't go, oh, poor you, you know, you're saying that you did this brilliantly and and this person is therefore doing it badly. But it is a blow to my ego because I feel that this person is taking it in a direction of how many events can we do? How can we publicize ourselves? How do we get people to follow the right path to speak to us? And that as a component of what you do is is important but to to have it as the main focus i think is wrong i th- i feel that you should be thinking about if i if i put myself out there and just one person speaks to me and i can help in some way that's enough mm. if we if we drive towards here are all here's all the stuff visible to you in a smorgasbord of what the company provides i feel that's the wrong thing i think that companies should be way in the back and an individual chat with your face right next to their face, <laughs> although not in a freaky kind of unpleasant way, but you know, across the table, that's where it should be. And I'm just a little bit sort of frightened and concerned that that's all going to go away and the effort that I put in. And it's like you said, it's, you know, where does genuine concern and, and reasonable pride end and egotism come in? And you know, because I've been doing these things for so long, I feel pretty confident. And But I do challenge myself so that it's not just egotism. But over this thing, it's become very difficult. And it's, yeah, how much is, is my investment and how much is what should genuinely be out there has been a real push-pull. And I suppose the only way that you could get around that is if the person who was taking over would have a frank and open conversation and say, well, this is my approach, you know, what do you think, which has not been offered. So it's been a tough a tough time for me with that. What do yeah. you think about that? Well, a couple of thoughts. I mean, you talk about ego, and one of the things that is with ego is I think the first thing people think about when it comes to someone and their ego is it's a negative thing. And having an ego shouldn't be considered a, a negative thing because you can use that in a positive way, as just as like we did with the giveaway or how you were doing with what you set up at work and what you was doing there. It takes an ego to do that, so it can be used in a positive way. And I think you're right when someone comes in and starts taking over what you've what you've been doing or you've been involved with for a long time. You you need them to have an interaction with you. You need to have a proper handover. And if they just come in and they said, this is the role that Stu was doing, we want you to take over this role, and this is what he was doing, but now it's yours. You don't get that seamless transition. You don't get what people were used to. And you get two things happen. One, it rubs you up the wrong way because they've just taken over. And two... It starts to alienate people because people were used to a certain way of doing things. And as you said, your way might not have been, or 
I'm going to say, you can probably agree, it wouldn't have been 100% perfect. There's always room for improvement. But that other person might have the ideas that can improve on that. But unless they speak to you and have that one-to-one, they could try things that you've tried already that have failed miserably. And when people see that happening, that gives them not that doesn't give them the confidence to continue doing these things like with that yeah. other person. Mm. Whereas if you can explain that with a one-to-one, you might disagree with what they decide, but you can at least go, look, no, I've tried this and it hasn't worked. Mm. And they can go, but I want to try it in this way. And you can go, right, fair enough. Don't agree, but I can see how that goes. At least then you know you're handing it over to a person that's going to take it in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. And I, I would like to think that whomever was going to be in that role would be the kind of person who did that. You know what yeah. I mean? That they would be, you know, we're uh, you know, we're there to look after people's mental health. You've yeah. got to always put that first. And it's like having it on a sticker that's kind of like attached to a little pole kind of about a foot away from your face. So they always see that thing first. And I would have, so let's use an example. So if I, when I get a new job, if I'm taking over from somebody who was previously in the role or did something similar, I would speak to my staff and I would go, I don't want to hear anything negative about the people that you've worked for in the past, but tell me all the great things they did. Mm. Tell me everything that they did that you liked. And I would take all of that on board and I would integrate as much of it as possible into the, into the role. And I would, and that's important in a management style anyway, but it's even more important when you're dealing with people who have mental ill health. And I would like to have seen that come forward. And I suppose that just talking it through makes me feel better because it, it, I've just put my finger on exactly what I think should be done. And it doesn't matter whether it was to me or to anybody. So that's not just about me. So I do feel better for that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, no, and it's, again, never feel ashamed for having an ego over things, especially if it's something you've helped create. Mm. I would feel the same, say, for example, someone came in and really decided to help, I don't know, financially boost mental health gaming, you know, to give us everything we need, studios, what have you, but then try to set out that we're going to do it this way, we're going to bring in this host to do this, and they're going to do that. Your ego takes a hit because it was your baby. You set it up or you had such a major part in it that when that is then taking the direction you wasn't doing or is taken away from you to a degree, you do take a hit. You do take a hit. And I said, I'm not an egotistical person, but I have an ego when it comes to this because it's something that took me ages to want to get going. I'm glad it's got going and it's going in the right direction. So, you know, I've had a massive ego boost and that's a really positive thing with mental health. What we never learn to do is how to control that ego at the same time. And the knocks are there for a reason. Um, and it's how you take them. And you said, you could either just bury them and then grow in resentment or as you've been able to talk them out and it makes you then, it can help something click inside where you can go, yeah, okay, I just need to, that's fine but maybe I can approach it in this way to help things for me and them as well. So yeah. again, what we're saying, well, Nathan, look, I've not got answers for you or anything. We don't have answers for people, but discussion is there. Yeah. And that, that is what does it. That's the main important thing is that discussion. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's a great, this, that's a, that's a great thing. I say, as I say, ego is not something we talk about too often, um, again, because of the negative connotations. And mm. so it's glad that you was able to bring that one up. 
So, just to finish off, one thing I do want to start doing, I really do want anyone who listens to this, is to encourage you to engage with us more. If you want us to talk about anything, it hasn't. we won't mention names or anything like that. If you've got something personal you want to do, if you want to send something anonymously to us, if you want to discuss with us directly, jump into our Discord channel. And I'm learning things on YouTube. So if you're listening on YouTube, I'll post a link in the description. If you're listening to elsewhere, go to our website. You'll see a link on the website for our Discord. But we do get involved. We're on the Discord pretty much every day ourselves. We're there to listen. Some people there, including us, will try and give advice where it's needed. We can just be a listening ear. But I found it really useful to have that Discord there. I assume, same with you, Stu, it's been helpful to you to have that there. Yeah, it's great. It's great to know that there are people out there and, and being very honest about how they're feeling so they'll talk about the highs and the lows and that's the best thing that you can hope for i was kind of hoping you turn and go no it's crap (laughs) yeah we can shut that down it's rubbish (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but no it is there and you know it is growing slowly and obviously i don't want to say you must go on it because i know some people don't feel comfortable talking about it but it is there no one will judge you there there's no judgment. No one will actually blow smoke up your arse either and tell you everything you're doing is correct. Everyone's honest, but there's no judgment. And yeah, I encourage you, if you want to join in the community, get on there. It's not just all mental health chat. We chat video games as well. The recent rebranding of the site that you'll see was discussed on there. Exclusive giveaways on there as well that you can't get on you won't see on twitter or extra chances it is all there we we try to make it a community for video games as well as talking about mental health and again we'll branch that out to films and sports or whatever you need but it's there as a safe space also as an opportunity if you want something to be raised on this podcast for me and brad to discuss feel free you know we can't we can't promise that obviously we will talk about it but we are the most likely to touch on it at least and if you know you want to hear that a particular way of thinking or a particular occurrence discussed and debated by some people you don't know so you can get their perspective then this might be a good place to do that yeah no definitely so but yeah links will be wherever you need them um and to check those out so as usual, I'll ask anything else to add, Stu, before we sign, before I try and sign off? No, just my usual of, you know, stay safe and look after each other and look after yourself. Yep, absolutely perfect. See, Stu's got a sign off. Here I go now. Again, thank you for everyone for listening. We're doing more videos now. There'll be review videos on there. There'll be just me chatting to the camera if, if you like this voice. Discord, as we've mentioned. Patreon, if you want to support us, if you fancy dropping a few bob and want to help uh, to help us, then that's great. Join us again. You know, loads loads of you on Twitter that might listen to this now. We've got an Instagram. We are on Facebook. Podcasts can be listened across. I think pretty much every provider now. That's my quick and easy sign off. Thank you for listening. Bye bye.